Good morning. I'm Ed Gunger, in case some of you don't know who I am. <laughs> I've been around for quite a while, but then I took off. Um, I arrived in Tulsa a few days ago, and my eyes and sinuses are still uh, catching up with the pollen count and uh, in the air, so forgive me if I snuffle about a bit this morning. I do not have a cold. I'm reacting to the atmosphere. I wanted to give you this morning a quick update on what's happening behind the scenes here at Sanctuary. By now, you've heard that Pastor Mark is not going to continue his role um, in here as our rector and as our lead pastor. We are so thankful to him, to Danielle, for lending us their strength for really the past nearly two years. Um, this obviously means Sanctuary finds herself in another leadership shift, right? Understandably, people get nervous when there are shifts in leadership. I mean, that's true whether it's at work or in the school, uh, no less true at church, because shifts always breed a kind of uncertainty and question. And the truth is most people love the way things are, and uh, they don't want to see change. And then when we experience the loss of what is, what we love, there's this whole process that none of us like called grief. And grief has its own kind of roller coaster of emotions and energy that we go from anger to negotiating, are we sure we have to do this, to um, denial, this can't be happening, to depression, just round and round. Most of you have had loss and know that's true. It's true here too. For those of you who don't know, Sanctuary is a part of the Diocese of St. Anthony which, and the CEEC, which is the Community of Evangelical Episcopal Churches, and I am your bishop. I was the founding pastor of Sanctuary in 2002. We joined forces uh, with Life Connection and the Sharps in 2011. And so I have a deep history and a deep love for this community. Being part of the diocese means that Sanctuary is not just run on a local level. It certainly is run on a local level, but there is strength brought to bear from the outside, from seasoned and caring leaders, particularly when the community faces disorienting things like leadership change. When it became clear that the RSEDs might be leaving, a council of bishops was convened to discuss how we could support everyone involved, the church, the RSEDs, everyone, the staff. And we have been in discussions about this since last October when Mark's decision was still a maybe. And um, this, the obvious challenge here is what's next for sanctuary? Now, when I read the lectionary text for this week and coming here, I felt like the gospel reading in particular really spoke in a kind of prophetic way because it's talking about this tree this, this, that's been planted and that there's this expectation and plan that it's going to bear fruit. And then it doesn't bear the fruit that the owner wants it to. And the challenge comes is what do we do? We just tear it up? What do we do with it? And so let me read that to you against a short piece. The parable, Jesus says, is a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. Expectations were not met. Disappointment came. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I've been coming for fruit on this fig tree and still I find none. Just cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? But look what the gardener says. Sir, let it alone for another year. He's kind of, has this tenacious optimism. Just let, it, just let it go for another year until I dig around it, put some manure in it to, to, uh, to add fuel or to it to help it grow. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. If it doesn't, you can cut it down then. Right? This is a story of unmet expectations. 
It's a story about work that ends in no fruitfulness. And that's always discouraging. I mean, I think we should always expect fruit from our plans and fruit from our efforts. But sometimes plans just don't bear the fruit we wanted them to. So what do you do, right, when that happens? Um, You have options, right? One, you can quit and cut your losses and move on. And, and, And the owner in our parable is doing that. And sometimes that really is the wisest thing to do. I mean, it really is. But then there are times to stay tenaciously engaged when you have tried everything and haven't been fruitful, which is the gardener in our parable. He advocates for this. He says, let's stick in there. And these are the times where you push even harder and you refuse to quit even when you've been unsuccessful. And you just take another shot to see if you can crack the code for fruitfulness to, to actually emerge, right? Our, ta- our past two attempts here at Sanctuary to secure a senior leader has not worked out. Um, as the bishop here, I'm ultimately responsible for securing the rector. And there is a discouraging aspect to this. And the text says in Proverbs, when hope is deferred, when the thing you're hoping for doesn't come, when hope is deferred, it makes the heart sick. I always just get tired, a little burned out. Just, I don't know if I keep doing this, right? No one likes disappointment. In hindsight, I, I know I have, we found really highly gifted people. But I should have spent probably more time making sure they felt that Tulsa and Sanctuary uh, were the best fit for them. And I fear I moved too quickly with our pastor candidates, which wasn't fair to them, nor was it fair to Sanctuary. This is not on them. This is not on you. This is on me. That being said, we have prayed about this and consulted with the bishops and the vestry board and the staff, and we believe we're not supposed to cut anything down. But we believe that we're supposed to double down, roll up our sleeves, pull out the shovels, dig around here, and put the best manure we can find into this community. (laughs) That's what we think. You may ask, well, what what does that look like? (laughs) The truth is, we don't really know. Now, I know that freaks some people out when you say you don't know. Uh, others of you, it doesn't freak out because some of you have enough charismatic in you that you love to look for the ghost stories, <laughs> right? The ones Jesus referred to when he said in John 3, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit, it's a kind of unknowability, a kind of strangeness, a kind of disorientation, a kind of, where are we going? I don't really know, but I'm in. Some of you love the notion of following God to where you do not know. It's, it's got that kind of Abraham vibe on it, you remember, in Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, who was called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Man, I want people to say that of me. The man who had no idea where he was going, but he obeyed and went anyway. Shandai. Thankfully, we do know a couple of clear steps that we believe we're supposed to take, and I really want to share those with you this morning.
for your consideration, for your prayer. The first one, and I had no idea we were gonna sing this song this morning about crying to God. And actually, Jason, when you guys come back, I know we're supposed to do the creed, but I'd love to do that song again just with a heart about crying unto God. But the first one is, is I think we're supposed to go into cry mode. Um, what is that? That's just jumping all in into the Matthew 5 text, the Beatitude, verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit. Because those guys participate in the kingdom of God, the influence of God, the weightiness of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor spirit are you people that, are, that basically are saying, I, I don't know, I know nothing, Lord. I'm in abject poverty. I, I don't know what to do but lean on you, run to you. I can't make up the steps that will matter here. We need your presence, your voice. It's so reminiscent of Moses, what, God, or what Moses told God in the wilderness in Exodus 33, where he said, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. This community is your church, God. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us anywhere. If your presence does not go with us, we don't want to go anywhere. That's poverty of spirit. We can't do this without you, God. So we kick into cry mode, which really just sounds like, help, help, when you think of sanctuary, when you think of what's going on here. Help us, Lord, have mercy. Which then I think leads us into Jesus' invitation after he speaks the Beatitudes in chapter five. It says in chapter seven, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and it's rigged, you'll find. Knock persistently, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, the door will be opened. This is Jesus. What if it's true? This, this is, I think, needs to be the vision of sanctuary for a while. We need to pray, we need to ask, we need to seek, we need to knock until we see the fulfillment of the promise that we hear in Isaiah. This is Isaiah 30. He said that your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Yeah, that's what we need. Jeremiah said, if you seek me, I will be found by you. This is, this is, this is a, a kind of a thing we can count on. I think he'll come if we dare to seek him. Second thing we know, this one's a lot less spiritual. Gail and I have been um, living in New York City for the past four years. I'm coming close to completing a PhD in, philosophy, in theology, rather. To my surprise, as we have re-engaged behind the scenes with all this that is happening here, I felt a strong nudge in my soul 
to jump back into this context. This is going to delay my studies a bit, but I'll still get her done because I want to do it. I, I may have told you this before, but I was meeting with my spiritual director, who's a guy, gal, who are not really therapists. They're like therapists, but they, they basically just work with people to help find the breadcrumbs that God has left, right? So they're trying to help you discern what the Lord is saying in your life. So I was talking to him about, this is before I started my PhD, and I was talking about doing it, and he said, he said look to me, he said, you know, Ed, he's a Jesuit priest, old Jesuit priest, and a retired guy. And um, he says, you know, Ed, sometimes when I listen to you talk, he says, it, it, it almost sounds like you think you're an adult. He's <laughs> like, <laughs> so quizzically, well, I mean, I'm in my 60s, I mean, I think I'm an adult. He said, you're not an adult. I said, what's an adult? He said, an adult has this whole trajectory of life ahead, 20, 30 years. He said, you don't have that much time. <laughs> so, so I said, well, what am I? He says, you're an, you're an elder. So, okay, well, what does an elder do? Now, forgive my French, I'm just quoting him. He said, whatever the hell you want to do. <laughs> but here's, here's what hit me. I mean, it was so deeply spiritual to me. That, that there are seasons in life when you're not in the heat of the day and you actually get to move toward what brings you joy because you've crossed T's and dotted I's in your life and there's strength there. And so I found myself thinking, man, I, I want to do this PhD and I want to be more involved with sanctuary. So as of July of this year, Gail and I will be leaving New York City, moving back to Tulsa to serve as the lead pastor here at Sanctuary Church. Sweet. We, we bought a house this week. <laughs> Hopefully she won't kill me for the house I picked. <laughs> but you know, sometimes a man just has to lead, you know. <laughs> that was of the devil. And I said it right in the pulpit. It was of the devil. <laughs> Actually, my daughter was involved and she says, I'm just kidding. I'm, you can sound like I'm all that, but I'm really not that at all. Now, some of you may see this as good news. Some of you might. Some of you have no idea what to think because you don't know who I am, right? That's, that's fair. We get that. I will tell you this. I love the church, and I will tell you this, that I particularly love Sanctuary Church, and as your pastor, I promise to take care of you and your kids and your teens. I'm also saying that I will be the guy you need to email when the donuts are stale. <laughs> I will deal with it. Heads up, I've been in uh, church world for nearly 50 years. Here's what happens if you don't watch out in the midst of um, shifts. You can get offended so easily. When um, people get offended, it changes the tone of your heart. Paul said, make sure it's okay to get angry because that's part of grieving. I mean, you have the right to be angry. Just don't let it linger and go down on let the sun go down on your wrath. He said, it gives place to the devil. That's what he said, Paul. It gives place in your life to the devil. And your capacity to discern gets fogged. Um, I remember when, when um, in back in Marshfield, the first church, Marshfield, Wisconsin, was the first church I pastored. And um, there was a guy that was there who came to me and said to me, Pastor Ed, he said, I just don't understand it. So what? He said, the anointing has left this church. 
And when you talk, I, I, you're just not anointed anymore. And I remember thinking to myself, my first thought was, man, I thought I was doing pretty good lately. <laughs> I mean, that was my first thought. I thought, what? You know, and then I, and then, but when I, I kind of did that, I, I'm not kidding you, I, I think it was the Holy Spirit because it was so out of the blue. And what I heard in my heart was, you offended him. I mean, I, where did that come from? I just, no clue. So, so I stopped and I looked at him and I said, have I offended you or something? Put his head down. And as we dug into it, he had heard from a friend of his that something had happened that never really happened. And when I explained, well, no, no, this is what happened, all of a sudden, he wasn't offended anymore, and I got anointed again. (laughs) See, what I'm trying to say is, if you get offended, things turn Ichabod. Ichabod is the, the label they gave when they felt the glory of God had departed Israel, and it was Ichabod. And if you get offended, the people that used to be touched by, warmed by, all of a sudden you see them and you just get uh, just a little throw-up-y. <laughs> you just can't receive. It's okay to get angry. It's okay to process it. Don't get stuck there because you'll make decisions that are necessarily right. So what should you do? Guard your heart. Be gracious, not picky. Change is not easy. This will not be easy. But know this. We respect you. You do what you need to do. We'd love for you to stay. But if all this leader shifting drives you crazy, leave, please leave before you hate us. Because maybe after things settle down a bit, you'll reconsider and it'll be easier for you to come back if you don't hate us. If you stay, please enter the cry with us and get ready to roll up your sleeves and uh, pull out the shovels and be willing to deal with some manure. Let me assure you of this. The sky is not falling at sanctuary. Things will be fine here. We think the future is bright and we're going to whistle while we work. Stand with me. If you want to communicate with me, please email, email me at edgungersanctuarytulsa.com. That actually still works. And please mark your calendar for April 28th for a family meeting. We're all going to get together and you'll be able to ask questions and share your thoughts there. If you've ever been to a sanctuary family meeting, you know it's a no holds barred. And uh, sometimes it's fun. (laughs) So we're going to creed up here, then we'll go to the table. But before we do it, Jason, where are you guys at? Come and let's do, you know, I I want to do that... uh, uh, you know, that's Christ. I didn't think you were going to do that today. And when you were doing it, I thought, oh my gosh, that guy's so anointed and uh, led by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, the Christ song? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You want to do it? Yeah, please do it. I'm going to stay right now. Just make sure you do it right. You want to lead it? Yeah, you lead it. No, 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 no. I, I don't have my CDs here today. So. <laughs> <laughs> Through the dark. Through the fire, through my wicked heart's desire, your love remains. 
We sing this from our heart, God. Your, Your love remains. Though I stumble, though I falter through my weakness, you are strong. Your love remains. Your love remains. Oh, this is what we're doing. My soul, it cries, oh my. This is our heart, Lord. My soul, it cries, oh soul, it cries, soul, it cries, it cries out. One more time. Through my failure, through our heart, through our healing, in our pain, your love remains. Your love remains. Though I stumble, though we falter, through our weakness, you are strong, your love remains. Your love remains. Let's do this, family. Oh, my, my soul in Christ. Oh, my, my soul. Cries it, cries it, cries it, cries it. 